Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas at lifeovercoffee.com. Thank you so much for joining me for our friendship series. This is lesson number three. We're having conversations for transformation building relationships, quality relationships. If you haven't watched lessons number one and two, I would encourage you to do that as that information is foundational. It is accumulative learning as you move through this seven-part series. Again, this is lesson number three. At Life Over Coffee, we exist to bring hope and help to you and others by creating resources that spark conversation for transformation. We want to bring hope. We want to encourage people because the message of Christ should do that. But we want our help, our hope also to be practical, and therefore we bring help as well. The way that we do it is that we create resources, and I trust that they will spark conversation among your friends, and those conversations will take you somewhere. They will lead to transformation. And so this is a very important series because we are made in the image of God, the divine community. And so we want to learn how to have community with other people. And so that's why I titled it the Friendship Series, Building Quality Relationships. Again, I would encourage you to watch lessons number one and two in this seven-part series. I've titled lesson number three, Defining Defining Godly Relationships. The key verse that I'm using throughout this series is from 1 John 4.12. John said this, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. In lesson number three, the big idea is, as described and demonstrated in Scripture, strong godly relationships provide the plan and the pathway to build well with others. And so what I want to envision you with in this lesson, uh, we talked about our relationship with God as being essential, primary, knowing and loving Him. That's lesson number one. In lesson number two, we talked about the foundation of God's Word. God's Word is the best psychology book ever written. It gives us a guide way to build these relationships. And so now we're on the path. And so we need a plan and we need a pathway to build well with others. And I want to begin talking about that pathway throughout the rest of these lessons And we've titled this one, Defining Godly Relationships. The outline is, point number one, redemptive friends. Number two, redemptive motives. Number three, redemptive mission. Redemptive method is point number four. And then number five, our redemptive path. Let's talk about our redemptive friends. Your friends will determine the quality of, and the direction of your life. Your friends can have that kind of power over you. One of the assessments that you can make about people, there's two, there's two things that you can use to assess uh, an individual. One is the resources that they consume on a daily basis, whether that's the music they listen to, the things that they read, the things that they watch, whatever the uh, knowledge intake is, whether it's entertainment or educational, it, it doesn't matter, whether it's visual, whether it's audio, 
the resources that they take in will tell you a lot about that person. You can call them companions. These are not human companions, but they are things that make up part of our companion structure. Paul said that good companions or bad companions corrupt. And you can invert that to good companions. Well, if bad companions corrupt, then good companions, they, they build up. And so one of the ways that you can assess your friends or make an assessment about your life are the things that they encircle themselves with. One of those are their companions. I've talked about visual, uh, audio, the things that they see, the things that they read, the things that they consume. Another assessment that you can make are the human companions, the friends that they hang with. Those are the companions that we gravitate to, the people that we like. Kind seeks after kind. And so as you look at a person's friend list, it will tell you a lot about the person. And so those are the two assessments that you can use to determine the kind of individual this is, the things that they consume informationally and the people that they hang with relationally because those companions will have that kind of power over the individual. And if you associate with that individual, you will be influenced by them for good or evil. Perhaps you can think about your past-shaping companions, your past-shaping influences. There are many people that I've counseled over the years who talk about uh, the influence of, let's say, a father. And maybe their father has been dead for decades now, but they can talk about their father as though he was animated, active, and living in their present circumstance today because that shaping influence has that kind of power over them. I remember counseling a lady many, many years ago, and she talked about her uh, parents, specifically her mother, and her mother lived about 3,000 miles from her, but she talked about her mother as though she was sitting in the room exercising power over her. That is an adverse shaping influence. I was counseling a lady one time who uh, she was looking at my Bible, and as she was looking at it, she was crying. And so I asked her, I said, why, why are you crying? She says, well, I'm crying because I'm looking at your Bible. And I said, why does that make you cry? She says, well, when I look at your Bible, I think about God. When I think about God, I think about God the Father. And when I think about God the Father, I think about my father who did so many horrific things to me, and she articulated many of those things. And it was a... A, a very traumatic past. And even though her dad has been dead many years, he had huge impact over her. Friends can determine the quality and the direction of our lives. I've just given you three illustrations of negative friends. I've talked about the informational companions that we can consume that can influence us as well as our human companions. And so we want to think about, we want to ask God to provide redemptive friends. This most intimate circle of relationships that we have we want people who can bring redemptive transformation in our life. And what I mean by that is that they change us. They motivate us 
or as the Hebrew writer said in chapter 10, they stir us up to good works. And so perhaps as you think about some of your past shaping influences, what about the positive shaping influences? Some of you have had school teachers who have said things that were so encouraging to you. Uh, you can think about things that your parents have said that have motivated you and it has stuck with you all of these years. That is the power that a relationship can have, whether it's good or bad. And so the question that I have for you is, how are your current friends shaping you? Would you take some time and just do a, a homework assignment? Would you list the things that influence you, the informational things, and then also the relational people in your life, those that you interact with the most? Now, I understand that some of you are in relational context that you have no choice about where you work, for example, or where you go to school, where you're interacting with people, and some of those people are adverse shaping influences. I will talk a little bit more of how to not allow them to have so much power over you, uh, because every person within our sphere of influence is not going to be a person of our choosing but we can choose the type of influence they have uh, but not allowing them into our most intimate spaces as far as our psyche, our souls are concerned. And so would you take time? Uh, you can pause the video here and just work through your informational shaping influences. Are you watching too much uh, television, uh, too many uh, cable channels? Are you consuming too much news. How is the political news adversely uh, shaping you uh, mentally, your, your psyche? What about the conversations that you have with your friends? Are they edifying you? The word edify means to, to build up. It is essential that you take the time to do an inventory of your informational and relational shaping influences because, as you see here on the screen, your friends will determine the quality and the direction of your life. They have that kind of power over you. But I'm not just talking about friends. I'm also talking about your informational resources. We want to surround ourselves. There needs to be an immediate influence of things that spur us on to love and good works. And so the music that we listen to needs to stimulate us with a deeper desire to know and love God and a deeper desire to go and build relationally and to pour into other people's lives and to find redemptive friends. We want to discriminate. Now, we will be friends with anyone from our most intimate all the way out to the unregenerate world. We can befriend anyone, but we have to be very cognizant of who these people are so that they aren't having adverse influence over us. And so would you do that brief assignment? Would you take that inventory informationally and relationally? And it would be great to have a conversation with one of your more intimate friends about these things. Point number one, redemptive friends. Number two, redemptive motive. Uh, 
You see, our friends reveal our hearts, and so we want to assess our friends. As I said earlier, we gravitate toward those that we like. Now, this would be a good parental assessment as well. You don't want to be cynical or suspicious about what your children are doing, but you want to carefully and with wisdom and with courage take that inventory of them of your children to see what kind of informational companions they have that are influencing them, the music they listen to, the social media platforms that they partake in, and of course, the relationships that they are building. Sometimes we can talk about our children as though they have bad friends. Well, that means that your child is a bad person. We do not intentionally put ourselves in places, in relationships that we do not like, not the ones that we intentionally develop. Again, I understand there can be an educational context in school. There can be a vocational context where we work, where we have no choice about the people that we associate with. But in our free time, when we can choose who we want to gravitate toward, those people reveal the motivation of our heart, either those friends or our God-centered and other-centered, and they're building us up, and we're building them up, and we're spurring one another on the loving good works, or uh, we are both facilitating a downward spiral in our lives. Our friends reveal our hearts. The best motive for building relationships is the two great commandments, to love God and love others. A biblical motive always points away from ourselves. You see the direction in the two great commandments. I want to love God. The direction of my love flows from me toward God. And then I want to love others. And so the direction of my love flows from me toward other people. As you assess your own life, you should see that direction where the object of your love is God and other people as you biblically pour yourself into them. A narcissistic or inverted view of love, a self-centered view of love is, as I said in the last lesson, it's when we become the subject and the object of our love, where our love flows from us and to us. That is not a redemptive motive. This is the kind of person that will use other people for self-serving motivations. And so as you assess your own life and as you assess others, now it's okay to judge other people. We have to make those assessments because if we don't, well, we will be simple people. As we see in Proverbs, we will be naive and we will open ourselves. We will be vulnerable and exposed to any kind of person that could take advantage of us and lead us astray. And so it takes courage not only to assess ourselves, to have a sober self-assessment of who we really are, and then also have a sober assessment of who our friends are as uh, we work through that inventory in the assignment that I was asking you to take earlier. We're talking about defining godly relationships. This is lesson number three in our friendship series, Building Quality Relationships. 
Christians are not left on earth to build non-redemptive kingdoms. The primary purpose is redemptive, restorative, or edifying. It builds up. It doesn't tear down. Non-redemptive relationships do not have that building quality to it. Now, of course, this implies that all of us are missionaries. We, are, we have a missional mindset. Sometimes folks talk about sending missionaries to a foreign country to redeem souls. Praise God for that. We want to go to, to the ends of the earth, and, and we want to redeem. We want to tell people about Christ so that they can be regenerated, born again, and then after they are born again, we want to pour into their lives so that they can grow up in the Word, as Peter talked about, as newborn babies. We want them to mature in Christ after they are born again, and so going to every country in the world as missionaries is an important thing. However, We have to remember that the entire earth is a foreign country. We are aliens in this world. Therefore, our missional endeavors, it begins first with us. Let me go back to the slide that I showed in in lesson number one. You see it here on the screen. This is one of the few times, maybe the only time in our Christian experience where we can say that I am number one. When you're building godly relationships, you have to start with yourself. Your missional endeavors do not begin when you walk out the front door and off the porch and into the world. Our missional endeavors begins, begin in our own hearts as we relate to God. That is the first godly relationship that we want to build. That is the most important relationship that we can have. And if we do not have a proper, intimate, spiritual, ongoing, developing relationship with God Almighty, every other relationship will be sabotaged. Uh, in some way or another. It's like an infrastructure issue. Uh, Perhaps you could illustrate it this way. Let's pretend that you're holding out two uh, weights. You're holding two dumbbells, one in each hand, and you're holding it. Your arms are straight out. You're reaching as far as you can reach, holding those five-pound weights. You can only hold them for so long because infrastructurally, your body can only uh, do that for Uh, a, a certain amount of time. And so if you want to hold those weights longer, you have to build yourself infrastructurally. You have to build your core. Uh, You have to build uh, out so that you can actually hold those weights for an extended period. If you do not build the infrastructure, you will not be able to hold those weights long. Now, here's here's the application. If you are not building your core, your spiritual core, you will not be able to build, maintain, and sustain relationships. What will happen, and it happens too often, is that relationships will run all over you. People will take advantage of you. Uh, People will use you, manipulate you. You will be vulnerable because infrastructurally you're not spiritually fit to discern, to maintain, to build, to sustain, to assess relationships. Therefore, the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with God Almighty. You are number one. Therefore, the mission field begins in your heart. 
I've seen this in some church buildings where they'll have a sign over the door. And the door will say as you exit the building that you're now entering the mission field. Technically, that is not correct. The mission field is on both sides of the door. Uh, It is everybody in the church building on Sunday morning, not just the people that are outside the church building. And more specifically, the mission field is in your heart. Now, that also applies for those of you who uh, have... Uh, familial responsibilities. If you are married, uh, not only, I mean, you and the Lord is most important, but then you have a responsibility to take care of your spouse, to be that complementary spouse, uh, whether you are a husband or a wife, that you are spurring one another on, that you're building each other infrastructurally, because if your one flesh union has an autoimmune um, problem that uh, there there are pockets of sin, pockets of silence. You're not being redemptive to each other. There is spiritual cancer growing within that one flesh union. Well, then that's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your friends. It's going to affect your church. It's going to affect every other relational endeavor. And so as you see here on the screen, there are concentric circles where you are number one, where you're taking care of yourself spiritually and physically. You're eating properly. You're getting proper sleep. You're exercising. It is an infrastructure issue. If we do not take care of ourselves, we cannot build proper, sustainable, godly relationships. And so and they're asking, where is Jesus? He's been up on a mountain all night praying because the most important relationship in his life is with his father because he valued it, saw the significance of it, and knew that if his relationship with God was not right, it will affect every other relationship. And so this What I have called here a friendship map is important that you understand this concept and you build your relationships accordingly. Now, a redemptive path forward. One of the ways that I I talk about this in my life, of course, because of the ministry that I have here with Life Over Coffee, there is a lot of demand on my life. I mean, from everywhere, people are asking for this, they're wanting to do that, will I provide this, will I do this, that, and so forth. And if I, if, if I don't have a plan, if I don't have a, a way of thinking about these relationships, then uh, infrastructurally I will not have time to spend with God. I will not be uh, uh, building up my wife and developing our children. The most important relationships that I have is my relationship with God, and then, number two, my relationship with my wife, number three, my relationship with my children. They, missionally speaking, those are the most important relationships that I have. Everybody else comes after that, and so I have to be careful that I can define godly relationships and know how to build them accordingly. And so, I have this saying that I did not originate, but I have adopted it. As you see on the screen here, it says, You cannot give every person who crosses your path your undivided attention. Even Jesus could not do this for all the people demanding a piece of him. But Jesus could give them his care. 
There is a difference between giving attention and giving care to someone. There are only a few people in my world who receive my undivided attention. For example, I have hundreds upon hundreds of people who ask me questions on social media. It would be exceptional for me to answer those questions because it is unwise. It would be foolish. My wife would not appreciate it, and neither would my children if I gave all of these people my attention because they're asking some sort of question. I cannot give everybody my undivided attention. I can give them my care. Uh, In my world, I can give them an article or somebody that I have trained can uh, help them. Uh, They can care for them, but I cannot do it. It would be not just foolish, it would be sinful of me to respond to everybody that asks me a question on social media. So I don't do it because I will break down. Jesus could not feed 5,000 people. Jesus was back behind the curtain or over to the side, and he was uh, making the bread and the fish, but he gave his disciples the bread and the fish to distribute to 5,000 people. And so whatever that means to you, you have to have a plan. By the way, the word no is a complete sentence. I've talked about in previous lessons this idea of love. If it's a cultural view of love, it will be gushy, it will be mushy, and you'll end up saying yes to everybody. Love has to have compassion, but love also has to have courage. And so if your love does not have a backbone, you will have mercy run amok, and people will run all over you. And so you have to define your godly relationships, and you have to create your own friendship map, the people that you're going to spend the most time with because they are reciprocating relationships that help you to mature infrastructurally. And then there will be unidirectional friends that will be demanding your time, and they want a piece of you, and you have to have a process of taking care of them. And I trust that this quote here that you see on the screen will be beneficial in that process. And so you need a redemptive path forward. Just talk about that for just a moment. Number one, Define friendship. There are many types. I've been talking about that throughout. I'll refer you back to the friendship map. You will have to place your friends on the relationship map. It's not harsh or cruel to judge people that way. And I'm using judge in the most applicable way. It's not harsh or cruel to assess people and place them on your friendship map because what you do not want You do not want someone who cannot be trusted, someone who's not reciprocal, someone who constantly demands your time, a needy person, or in my world, a professional counselee. You do not want that person in your most intimate space. It is not harsh. It is not cruel to place them farther out on the periphery of your friendship map. Notice how Christ treated folks differently. And I would encourage you to consider this as a homework assignment through this series, that you go through the four Gospels, and you're going going through the four Gospels for one specific reason. You want to study Christ and how he related to people. Sometimes he, he gave people what they wanted when they wanted. Nicodemus in John 3, he He came to Jesus by night, and Jesus spent time with him. Of course, that relationship continued to develop, as we see uh, later on uh, after Jesus' death. 
Jesus built relationships. Then there are other times when he was pulling away from the multitudes. And as you listen to Jesus preach, when he was monologuing to the multitudes, there would be times where he, almost after every sermon, he would pull aside and take his friends, his most intimate friends, and he would have a dialogue with them. He would not have a dialogue with the multitudes, but he would have a dialogue with his most inner circle, and you'll see that throughout four Gospels. And so I would appeal to you to add this homework assignment through this series to this series that you study how Christ related to people. Just read the Gospels that way. Don't get hung up on any other thing. Don't, don't get caught on any other golden nugget snag as you're reading the four Gospels, but you're just looking for how Christ interacted with people, and you're asking questions. Why did he interact that way? What was the upside? What was the downside? What was the benefit? What do you think he was thinking as he was interacting with different people throughout the Gospels? Why did he spend more time with this person and not so much with the other person? Like the rich young ruler, for example, it doesn't show that he spent any more time with him than just giving him basically the Gospel. Uh, as he framed it this way, go sell everything that you have and follow me. He understood uh, what was going on in that dynamic, and so he gave him an opportunity to build relationally with Christ, and of course the rich young ruler chose not to do that. All friends are not created equally. It's okay to judge. It's okay to assess others. That is wise. Also remember that friendships are not static. Things do change. Some of you more intimate friends may move farther out on your relationship map because something dynamically happens, a sin event happens, and that relationship uh, goes south, and it's not what it used to be. Unfortunately, that does happen in a fallen world. And then you'll have other relationships that continue to develop where they started out, maybe even in an unregenerate state. They become Christians, and then they mature, and those relationships Relationship bridges continue to grow, and the relationship continues to grow, and they become maybe one of your more intimate friends. It's important to remember that most of your friends will not be reciprocal. I've talked about this in a previous lesson, that reciprocating friends are your most intimate friends. You'll only have a few of those because of the time involved in building intimately. It takes a lot of time, and you just cannot do that with 10 people. You can only do that with a handful of people. And your most intimate relationship, if you are married, should be with your spouse. And so you want to be careful that you're not building deep and wide with someone who you're not married to. You want to have most of your focused and in-depth time with your wife. But as those concentric circles grow outward, uh, you will find that the reciprocation will uh, get smaller and begin to wane away until most of your relationships will be unidirectional. If you do not learn to manage your friends, your friends will manage you. As I said, no is a complete sentence, and you need to learn how to say it with compassion. And with courage, you cannot give everybody your attention. You can give them your care. Uh, you can, uh, if someone is in your local church and, 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 and they want to, you to be their life coach, and, and you can't do that for time or whatever may be going on in your life, you can give them a pathway to receive care. It just won't be from you. 
And so you have to think through each of your relationships, assess them accordingly. If you do not manage your friendships, they will manage you. And so the big idea in this lesson, as described and demonstrated in Scripture, strong, godly relationships, they will provide the plan and the pathway to build well with others. One more thing, if you would pray for our ministry, follow us on whatever social media platform you use. Please share our content. Let others know about this series, for example. Uh, we would love for them to partake of it. It would be great if you went through it together. And, of course, we have millions of words and articles in videos, in podcasts, in digital books, uh, also in paperback books. And so please take advantage of our resources. And then if you're in a position where you can underwrite our ministry, we do need your support because of all the stuff that we give away. Uh, our ministry business model, and you say it that way, uh, we, we built it intentionally that we're going to give our stuff away as much as we possibly can and we'll depend on uh, God's community to, to support us. And so if you're able to do that, please uh, consider it. If you would like to become a Mastermind student, it is an all-online course. Uh, you can scan this QR code that you see on the screen. It will take you right to the informational LMS, the Learning Management System, and it will answer virtually every one of your questions. And so if you're interested in all online self-paced study course, then I would encourage you to check out our Mastermind training. This is lesson number three, Defining Godly Relationships in our Friendship Series building quality relationships. Thank you so much. I am Rick Thomas. We're doing Life Over Coffee at lifeovercoffee.com where we have conversations for transformation. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.